0: Bye. Mm-hmm. um so you treat patients on a month's contract the contract is a continuous community that's interesting
1: yeah well i've started i've started
0: doing that now right okay that's your premium product okay this is good that's no no that's fine that's there's well, no that's
1: not a premium product either that's just the way i wanted to start treating people
0: i love I it to... yeah but anyway that's not that's because we're gonna we're gonna talk about that we're gonna talk about that good All right. working everything looks good Just want to get your uh, Google Sheets up. Right, here we go. <laughs> Hi and welcome to another episode of the Bleeding Edge podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Banker, and today on the show we have Vincent Hines. Vincent is a physical therapist extraordinaire and he has innovated some uh, very interesting models for taking his business forward in the digital world. Vincent, welcome to the, welcome to the show. Ralph,
1: thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's the very first podcast I've ever done. I'm hoping to host one in the, the future, so it's good to be on uh, the other end of the line.
0: Well, well, we'll try and make it a good experience. I know you've done plenty of vlogs, so I think uh, the format won't be that unfamiliar to you. Uh, you know, uh, either you like the sound of your own voice uh, or you like the, the look of your own face either way you've got to you've got to pick your platform right a podcast or a vlog um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going with the podcast for now yeah so yeah, yeah. Uh, Vincent let me do an intro for you because uh, you've got a fascinating background and we want to talk a little bit about uh, physical therapy you know where it's headed what you think it's really all about because there's a philosophy behind the way you approach it and uh, and I think the bleeding edge of physical treatment pain management is a fascinating place to be given it's one of the biggest industries and one of our biggest motivators uh we want to be well and uh and and you sell the wellness dream so vincent you're a a physical therapist with a bachelor's in applied health science you are c-o-r-u registered you'll have to tell us what all those uh, letters stand for and um You're working, you know, that's part of the official registrar for healthcare physicians in Ireland. You've spent four years training to be a physical therapist while holding a full-time position as a coded pipe welder and metal fabricator. So, you know, you couldn't get uh, a greater distinction in career. So we have to understand some of the motivations that led you to move from one role to the other. And, uh, you know, you pushed it because you worked in college over Saturdays and Sundays, you worked Monday to uh, Friday, leaving Wednesday to attend the student clinic. And, uh, you know, during all of that, as a result of all of that, you founded the total movement physical therapy uh, philosophy, and and that was after your graduation in 2017. And, uh, and then it got really interesting because you've actually uh, studied with a number of fascinating characters. So, um, you've taken court- courses with some of the best people in, in the field. Uh, you have spent some time with Patrick M- McKeon uh, from the Oxygen Advantage. Uh, you've spent time with Steve Maxwell. Uh, you've spent time with another great one, which I can't remember. Uh, but what you've done is you've basically integrated everything that you've learned from your physical therapy studies and that you've learned from the greatest and the best and you've integrated this into your philosophy, which is really what total movement um, is is all about and uh, You've got a nice little strapline um, on your on your website. It's um, from Face to face is that what it is yeah yeah that's a that's a
1: my new mobility program that you can get on my website it's um it's a kind of what would you say it's kind of a blueprint for getting you from a p- place of not thinking about your body to actually re in with your body and the base to face <laughs> it's a bit kind of is, is a bit in your face, but uh, the base to face represents the base, which is your feet, your connection with the ground, up to your face. And when you finish the, when you finish the program, your face should be smiling because you should be <laughs> standing nice and upright, standing nice and confident, um, not with the slouched forward shoulders like we all carry around. And uh, just re-engaging with your body and starting a dialogue with it again because. It's a magnificent machine we only have one of them and you would never drive your car without getting it service so it's just a little way a little small little course that you can take where you can re-engage with your body and um, start a little dialogue with it and then god knows where you go from there so that's well really well.
0: well it's a good starting point you know if you're going to go from uh, the base or the foundation to the face, which is effectively the top of the head. I mean, I, you know, this actually the foundation of that must be in some kind of yoga practice, as it is. But I like uh, the idea of ending with a smile. Happy endings are always great experiences. So um, I've
1: sometimes got asked for happy endings, Ralph. I've had to turn them down. Now I'm fairly professional.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so tell us about your experience now, because um, you've obviously started this uh, this, this movement 360, uh, program. And, uh, and that's something that you've started offering r- recently. So no doubt as with Barry Harper, uh, who, you know, and was on, on the uh, an epi- episode a few days ago with me, uh, his business was terribly impacted. And so I think you've had a very similar experience because as uh, you know, it's a hands-on industry that you're in.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, we've got recommendations from, Koru, so you named that Koru uh, crowd at the start in the intro. I will just let you know what that's about. We had a bit of trouble over here in Ireland with the term physical therapist and physiotherapist, um, which led to a lot of confusion amongst the public as to which one does which. And there was also an issue with people doing a small, you know, like a six-week massage course and then calling themselves a physiotherapist or a physical therapist. So that KORU registrant was set up a couple of years ago just to protect the title physical therapist and physiotherapist. So we're kind of all under the one umbrella authority. So that's what that's about. But yeah, I've been following their guidelines um, in recent weeks about returning to practice. And there seems to be an awful lot of red tape involved um a lot of online assessment or through the phone assessment and then we we have to do most of the assessment and history take through zoom or a phone call and then we're only allowed treat hands hands-on for 10 minutes so i usually take about an hour with a client and i we'll have a good chat with them and we're in close proximity of course and then I spend, you know, I could spend about 20 minutes, half an hour doing a treatment. So I've been holding off going back, treating because I don't. I'm hoping for it to, to settle down a bit further before I actually go back. But in the meantime, I've been assessing patients online through Zoom and just helping them out. I haven't been charging them, I've been just offering me services to kind of keep, to tide them over just especially some patients that I would have been seeing for a little bit longer, and I would have built up a bit of uh, a rapport with them. And they seem to really enjoy the service I provide. And even though I can't actually physically touch them, they seem to get a lot from it. So I'm happy to uh, do that in the meantime. But looking to go back full time, I would like to offer as you were saying to me before the show, a monthly contract to, to patients, where they might get one therapy session during the week, and then two other online Zoom calls, just to keep them accountable. And I'm sure you'll, yeah, I'm sure you'll appreciate that from the course that we've done of the accountability. It's a very important thing because that's another thing as well. I, I um I set up a joint mobility course or class and it's a long term it's a long time uh, goal of mine was to set up something that people could come to and they could actually empower themselves with the tools so that they don't have to keep coming back to me every three four months because what we do is when people come for like treatment on the shoulder i do some hands-on work the shoulder feels good I give them some advice about how to prevent it. They go home, they watch some telly, they forget all about it because their shoulder feels good. And then I see them maybe three or four months later. So the joint mobility classes that I've been doing have been quite successful. I've been getting people down, just, it's very simple exercises it's just to break it down. It's really just opening the range of motion of each joint and getting some more control and stability in there. And people have really responded well to it. They, they really enjoy it. Some of the moves when I say, right, we're going to do this, they're like, oh, no, this one. <laughs> but it's just about, even if they're not doing the movement correctly, just by encouraging the body to move in a way that's not familiar is sending stimulus to the brain, which is basically telling the brain, I'm now more comfortable in this position. So it's all about giving them the tools and one of the things I have on my website is getting the patient to a point where they do not need us anymore. And I think people find that genuine. I think they really resonate with that. And plus, people want to be empowered. They don't want to be relying on you for their health or well-being. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Let's test that model, though, because I'd, I'd like to push it. Um, a bit there. You've, you've said a few things that really resonate with me because you've effectively been running an experiment right you've migrated your clients to zoom what you've done is you've you've given them the opportunity to get your services for free Um, what you've observed is that they get value and that they're happy and that they enjoy spending the time with you through that medium you can be effective and therefore actually you've got a product so now the next thing is to start charging them for it and i get your point about enabling them you teach a man to fish and uh and uh, you know he, he and he won't go hungry however what we're seeing and this is a really fascinating cultural phenomena that i observed having spent a lot of time traveling in asia and especially spending a lot of time in hong kong and inevitably i was in some large hotel overlooking uh what is quite common there a large park or some piece of of open space. And in the mornings, hundreds of people would gather and they would go through their Tai Chi movements. And these were, you know, not uh, young, trendy people. Typically, they uh, they were older, but they were also young people that would go through this. And so mobility is baked into the culture. They start their day with the mobility practice. And if anybody's ever done any form of Tai Chi, you know, it is a kind of martial art but it is really a movement process and it is uh, as it's you know very basic it, basis it is about in, inspiring and energizing uh your your chi and so it's an effective way of getting the day started and what strikes me as quite fundamental to how you started the conversation was we need to kind of reconnect with our body we need to just remember that it's there because we forget about it and uh, and so we forget about all these movements that we should do and so we get this really kind of narrow frame of reference that our body operates in and i guess you know that leads to all kinds of you know m- movement memory uh type issues um barry talks about the three planes you just did the one two three there what are you talking about
1: well i'm just saying you said we get used to the different movements that we do and it's sitting standing
0: walking Right. Yes, that's it. Yeah. And so actually, if we look at Moshi Feldenkrais, I don't know if you ever uh, came across Moshi Feldenkrais, but he was like one of the original biomechanics. And uh, Barry Harper studied biomechanics as well, by the way. So that's an interesting conversation we have to pick up. And uh, I really experienced this with from one of your videos, Vincent, you know, where you're teaching the pelvic movement. I do a lot of Muay Thai. And with Muay Thai, a lot of the power, especially with knees, comes from the final pelvic push. And, uh, you know, you're effectively fully extended. And then all you're doing is you're, 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 you're allowing your hip to do that final push. And that's where all the power comes from. It's deadly. And wow. so it's a motion. As I was watching you, I was really envious. I thought, my God, this guy could be a samba dancer, uh, a salsa dancer, and he could be a class one you know muay thai fighter so that kind of movement i'm quite envious of um there's, there's some serious uh pelvic mo- mobility you you are the original mr snake hips by the looks of things don't, don't be envious pal because you you will be there You will be, be there, there. <laughs> <laughs> i just need to do that six week course look no i i get it um but let's talk about this idea of you know what how do you how do you actually get people to start to be conscious of how they move and their body and to start to maybe integrate some of this stuff into everything they do. So that's kind of one point. Um, And I'm going to offer one solution because you mentioned the accountability. Uh, If I think about these people in China and in Hong Kong that, you know, are practicing these types of movements on a regular basis, and you teach a program that people can then practice on a regular basis. The thing that seems to be missing is the community aspect and the opportunity for us and the opportunity for you is, you know, you're, there's no such thing as a, a ringleader anymore. You're now a zoom leader. And so having your three classes a day where folks can log on, especially if it's free, remember, cause you don't want to spend loads amount of your time. They can come on, they can do a class with you and it's a regular kind of program. And I wonder if we're all starting to kind of become broadcasters uh, on an almost permanent basis.
1: Yeah, as in we're giving too much of our time away?
0: No, I think as in, you know, it is our time uh, that we need to amplify by inviting as many people to join us for that 45 minute session. And that that 45 minute session fulfills the community need, but also fulfills the accountability need. And it fulfills the activation of this has meaning beyond just exercise, I'm joining a movement. And my Zoom leader is inspiring me because you've already shown you can make people smile. You've already shown you can keep them engaged. Uh, You're already offering this digital course. I wonder, is that a progression for you perhaps?
1: Yeah, so what you're asking is, should I provide maybe two or three weekly catch-up meetings where we can all demonstrate how well we've progressed? Is this what you're getting at?
0: I'm actually thinking, uh, you know, a guided process. So, because you're basically saying, guys, do these movement exercises. And a lot of people will go away and do them. But I've got this hunch and I'm testing, because we were going to test it with uh, something as... Crazy as maybe uh, you know, sunrise breathwork. I happen to live near the beach where uh, the sun rises, and uh, and so we get this incredible sunrise. It's a bit early at the moment, and so people were were actually very interested in any content that I was posting. The sunrise, uh, the birds, and the local wildlife waking up in the morning. It makes a tremendous uh sound here it's not really a noise it's just this energy from all the birds and the, the chickens and uh various large peacocks and they and they make you know incredible calls that reverb off the the valley and the like and so um this and sometimes i just go down to the beach and i will just film the waves and i'll post some amazing content vincent and I'll get nothing back. I'll post a 60 second video of the waves and everybody will go, wow, I love it. Oh, I need more of this. (laughs) Just
1: get you out of the shot. I know what you mean there. I know what you mean about different videos just kind of falling flat and you're wondering why they haven't uh, resonated. And then the the strangest little video that you put and people just seem to love it um but that's that's uh what I, where that's, that's where I do my mobility. I actually do it on the beach in the mornings, and even if I wasn't there doing my mobility, people would still appreciate the surroundings so I'm really blessed with that that's that's where my actual folks are from. They live right beside the beach I'm just a little bit away from it now but um yeah it's beautiful out there but that's a, that's a great point. I created that course on that, on London Reels Academy. And they told us that perfection was paralysis. So just get it done. And um, that six part video series, I did spend a lot of time on that to try and get in the key elements of each module before we moved on to the next one. It's kind of layering on top every single module. Um, but I would love to have had an opportunity to put a membership area or forum or something on the site where people could interact and talk um, i'm not the greatest at technology at the moment but hopefully you're going to help me on that one ralph and in the future or in the meantime like going down the line we will definitely have some kind of membership or community-based uh, interaction where people can show show their progress and stuff like that, but that's a really good idea of maybe having one or two classes a week, Zoom classes, and we can get all the participants in and put them on the spot. I can say, Ralph, show me them snake hips there, and you'll be like, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a good idea. There's a lot of ideas going on in my head at the moment,
0: so... Yeah. Yeah. No, this is it. You know, our opportunities are endless, but I can see it. Vincent.tv. So, uh, let's let's make it, let's make it happen. On the beach with Vincent again, round his his mum's house with Vincent having tea. On the beach with the lazy physio. (laughs) Because that's another thing I want to
1: get across to my patients and and potential customers or potential people that want to come learn a bit more about Total Movement is, it's not some crazy regime. I'm not posting pictures of me flexing me muscles. I'm not doing some crazy, you know, handstands or jumps or tricks. I'm literally doing what I can do to keep myself healthy with the minimal amount of time and effort expended because let's face it, life is busy and we don't have, you know, an hour to do this and an hour to do that. and yeah. So I literally, I focus on three areas in me, in me practice. The very first one is breath work, which is the most important health initiative you can undertake is to re-correct your breathing pattern. And I help patients do that before we do any hands-on work or before we set them up with any programs. We literally work on the breath over a over, However, long it takes till we re- recover that proper breathing pattern. Uh, for anyone listening in there, the simple tip that you can give them is just simply breathe through your nose. Uh, I'm not going to go into all the health benefits, but simply breathe through your nose and you'll be a lot calmer. You'll be a lot more focused and your body will appreciate you a lot more. And then after we recorrect our breathing, we go into the mobility work. So you asked me to demonstrate to someone why they need my mobility well i' have a bit of a kind of cheeky bit of a <laughs> underhanded answer and that's to show them a movement that they can't do so I'll show them a movement and i'll be quite confident and quite easy at doing it and i'll demonstrate to them like the health benefits of this movement let's just say for instance the squat um the squat has so many benefits. A, a good squat will show that you've got good mobility. So I might be a little bit uh, underhanded and just perform a quick squat for them, and then ask them to repeat. And when they can't, you kind of see that look of fear <laughs> on their eyes. Not that I want to put fear on them, but I just want to demonstrate that they may think that they've got good mobility. But if you can't do a squat right, you're going to have issues down. You know, maybe not now, but in a year or two's time. And then I just demonstrate to them how easy they can correct that squat. So that's that's the mobility end of things. Once we work on their mobility and get them, open up their range and give them a bit more stability and a bit more control and some more confidence in their body, then we introduce the strength program. And uh, that's something I learned of Steve Maxwell. He is a... Um, He's a very famous personal trainer. He has his own gym. He's trained a lot of high-level athletes: uh, basketball, American football, um, and baseball players in America. He actually trained. He was one of the first Americans to train with Gracie Jiu-Jitsu down in Brazil, the BJJ. And he was one of the first. He was the first American to teach it in America because he was. He got a black belt of. Royce, so he's been through the mill. He's 67 years old, Steve Maxwell, 67 years young. Uh, He's got a twinkle in his eye like he's only 21. He's a real nice fella, real genuine. And he's been through the ringer when it comes to personal training and uh, training techniques. And what he's learned and what he's willing to admit is that he was wrong in his approach for years. And now he practices isometric training, which is literally isometric is when you're contracting the muscle without moving. So he uses a simple strap to pull against and he showed me the strength program that he does. He does it twice a week. He really believes in recovery. So you have two or three rest days and then you do. Yeah, it's roughly twice a week. You do the strength program. It takes you about ter- takes me about 30, 35 minutes, and that's where I think I've got to coin the term the lazy physio because I just do the bare minimum. <laughs> but uh, I've never felt better. I- I've been doing this now for three years. Um, I'm not hugely bulky because I want to be able to put on a t shirt. Uh, you see some of them bodybuilders, and they've really specialised in the aesthetics and now they can't put on a t-shirt. So what's the point of that? And um, so yeah, it's just about remaining flexible, remaining supple, keeping that muscle tone, and most importantly having the correct breathing technique. And that's literally all you need then, Ralph. That's that's gonna be my premium product which I'm gonna be releasing soon, is six week program where we work on all three of those. I'm going to think I'm thinking of calling it the Future Proofer which is basically you come to me for 6 weeks and I give you the tools to look after yourself long into your into your golden years
0: as they say <laughs> The Future Proofer yeah it's uh, it's going to be a movie <laughs> Yeah With Jason Statham a minute
1: Oh yes I like that Ralph yeah Jason stay yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Look, the the program sounds really well-structured with those three areas. I mean, breathwork is probably the most fundamental aspect. Mobility clearly is something so important for day-to-day, but... um,
1: I reckon 20,000 breaths a day, Ralph. I reckon you breathe 20,000 times a day. So if you're doing it incorrectly, you've been reinforcing that pattern over your lifetime. And just briefly, when I go over what Patrick McKeown taught me, when kids are growing up, their facial structure hasn't formed yet. So for whatever reason, if they have allergies or if they struggle to breathe through their nose for maybe asthma reasons or whatever, if they start to breathe through their mouth when they're younger, their actual jaw structure will change It will become a lot narrower, uh, more pointed, and also it will restrict the breathing for their nose. So it will actually permanently alter the structure of their face, which will reinforce improper breathing, because their nasal cavities aren't, they haven't formed the right way for nasal breathing. So what can happen in the first few years of life can actually echo through the rest of your life and give you just, there's so many um, detriments to health from breathing through your mouth. And if you, if that's not corrected when for up to the age of seven, you could actually end up, not that you'll be permanently having to breathe through your mouth, but you will have altered, you'll have decreased the efficiency of breathing through your nose. So, What Patrick is doing lately is he is trying to, well, he is, he teaches a lot of kids, a lot of kids from the age of four or five, just to kind of correct any mouth breathing patterns that they may have before the jaw fully forms. So he's had a lot of success with that. Uh, He teaches in schools and, yeah, that's that's a passion of his, is to kind of correct that breathing before it becomes entrained in the system.
0: So. Yeah, and pa- Patrick's done so much work in this space that actually he's, he's unpacked not only contemporary research, but he's gone back into history and looked at, you know, just how people used to breathe. And he found some fascinating stories about the American Red Indians that would close their children's mouths yes. if they saw that they were mouth breathing while sleeping and i have to say vincent the story affected me so that but you know he obviously i i've heard some of of the history that he talks of i i would love to study with him as you have uh well what i have taken to doing is every time my young son who's now eight years old uh but certainly i came across this maybe a year and a bit ago and every time i see him sleeping with an open mouth i will go over and you know i imagine myself the red indian uh, (laughs) and i I close his mouth i keep it closed to make sure that he's breathing through his nose and he switches quite naturally and uh and so this is something that you know is ancient knowledge we've known this but again in a modern context we just seem to just lose the ability to connect with how our bodies operate and some of this very important wisdom. I mean, I just think wisdom teeth was an interesting one. I'm not sure if I spoke about this the other day. I hope I didn't put it on an earlier podcast, but um, the story behind wisdom teeth is, you know, we wonder why don't we have enough space in our mouth for these wisdom teeth. But one of the things that we used to do even just a short few hundred years back was our food was much tougher. We'd be, you know, tearing at stuff. If you were eating sugarcane, for example, or, or or some kind of tough root, then your bone gets stressed as a child. And the stressing of the bone forces the jaw to grow larger and which creates the space for our wisdom teeth to actually wow. come out. But because we don't do any of those things, we're eating, so, you know, soft food. Oh. We're certainly on tearing on, uh, you know... Okay. That's, oh, that's
1: incredible,
0: yeah. I always wondered why
1: we did have Wisdom Teeth. and now gonna...
0: I know. <laughs> that's it, and I went out to go and solve this. I put this out to the universe some time back anyway. Um, I do a lot of research in this space, and it kind of came back. There's a, uh, a wonderful book on the history of the, the human body and uh, how we've respond to, responded to environmental, environmental stresses and pressures and what happens when we take ourselves away From those stresses and and pressures so for example we lead very comfortable lives right you mentioned sitting you mentioned walking so we put rubber on our feet we put rubber under our bums uh, we put rubber under our backs and and so we're designed to sleep on a hard surface a floor the ground uh, the earth and uh and and we don't we're designed to walk on the earth um, and and we often don't and Barry Harper was just talking about the fact that so much of what we walk on in cities and the like is concreted over, and so you don't really get the full effect. Of... Are you
1: talking about grounding?
0: Well, grounding, uh, you know, we, we, were, we were just talking about the process of exposing your, your feet to the ground and, and ensuring that you kind of maintained optimal Brain maps uh, for all parts of the foot, because when when you 're walking in shoes, your kind of foot has the single pressure exposure, and so your brain map is an amorphous mass of the foot, whereas when you walk barefoot, your brain maps become very defined, and you can see the toes and the various kind of parts of the the pads of the foot, and the expression of the uh, the, uh, the the senses effectively in the neurotransmitters in the brain is is what we're visualizing. So, um, so, well, well,
1: that's something I've been doing recently uh, with the, with the, with the classmates is I've been telling them to get their shoes off. Now, in fairness, we're only down on the beach, but there's still some apprehension to taking the shoes off. They're like shoes off. And I'm like, yes. Expose yourself. <laughs> that's why I, I tell people in the first few modules of the course as well, get, get, the, get the shoes off and walk on the grass and build up because it's even your eyes looking at the ground. When you are wearing no shoes, you are scanning that ground. <laughs> you're not just walking willy-nilly. <laughs> so it's, it's building up that, um, as you said, the neurotransmitters and the, the feedback you're getting to the brain and you can actually get shoes there now. I'm sure you've heard of them, uh, the, the Vivo barefoot shoes, um, where it's like literally a skin of it's not rubber or anything. It's you're literally just a bare protection, but you can feel every bump and crease in the ground. And uh, I haven't got them yet. I'm hoping to maybe get sponsored by them and <laughs> then start promoting for them. But um, yeah, they're quite expensive, but I seen, when, when I was in, on the course with Steve Maxwell, the first morning, the, all, all the other people on the course, there was about 13 or 14 people, they're all from different parts of the world, but they were all wearing these shoes. And I was like, you know, one or two of us weren't. And the next thing he came out, he was like, oh yeah, he was like, they're good shoes. And he seen mine, he, seen mine, and he was like, no, they're crap. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It could be something to look into and I probably will get them, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping to maybe get them free if I promote their products.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll listen to this podcast and uh, and they'll give you a call. I'm not so sure. I'm not sure they're for me. I mean, I just walk around barefoot, frankly. Um, yeah, so well, you're, in, uh, you're in South Africa or Ibiza or somewhere, are you? Yeah, I mean, I'm in uh, in Spain, and uh, you know, we just live down a dirt track, and there's a forest around us, and then down the road is the beach. And so, actually... I
1: do walk around barefoot a lot, but it's quite cold over here. But um, if you do go out in, in public without the bare feet, oh, my God, the looks you get. I had, I had a girlfriend from Australia, an ex-girlfriend of mine, and she used to walk around barefoot everywhere here. And I'd be kind of going... Oh, when you put some shoes on because <laughs> everyone would be just looking and going, what you want to do their shoes on but it was completely second nature to horse so. Um, yeah we got to get back there we got to get back there to the old stuff to the to, to the barefoot
0: yeah no there's a uh, there's, there's huge huge advantages to it but i also just want to go back to this breath work because Actually, I do some work with Dr. Alan Watkins, and uh, Alan has got a technique called Breathe. And I think Alan and Patrick have got a very similar type of uh, approach to this. So, Breathe is breathe evenly and rhythmically through the heart every day. And so, the idea is that you know you, you mentioned twenty-one thousand breaths. It's kind of between twenty-one and twenty three thousand breaths a day. And so, you're absolutely right. If you can change something that you do over twenty thousand times a day surely that's going to have an impact. And the idea is that you can actually reset your, the, um, the amount of cortisol in your blood within 60 seconds by applying the, the breathing technique that you're talking about. And so breathing through the nose has the effect of just calming down the, uh, the nervous system. Right. And so uh, this is the autonomic nervous system. And so, What is exciting about that is, we can start to control, by controlling our physiology, we can start to control our emotions. And When we can control our emotions, then we can control our feelings, and when we control our feelings, we can control our thinking, when we control our thinking we can control our behaviour, and when we control our behaviour we can control our results, and so this is the basis of the integrated performance model and, uh, and actually any, a- any, any emotional well-being, any mental health, uh, any high performance training of any kind has its basis in the kind of breath work that you're actually teaching, Vincent. So this is really fascinating for me to actually incorporate it. Uh, as part of the, the three, because I think while breathwork actually has experienced an enormous rise in popularity, I mean, you know, everybody that I know is going to breathwork classes. And, uh, and that, you know, is something that I've really only noticed in the last two to three years. Now, previously, they were only doing yoga and meditation. Now, you know, breathwork is in the mix, and it's easily as popular And it's more accessible to a lot of people. But this idea that you don't even have to do a complicated breathwork routine, your six breaths a minute through the nodes, rhythmically and evenly every day is like what water is to your system. And it just calms the whole thing down. It drops the cortisol. And if you can just be mindful of doing it for 60 seconds, it'll wipe the cortisol out of the bloodstream.
1: It's incredible, isn't it? It really is incredible, like it's, the, the answer to your health is literally under your nose. It's, um, and it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's very kind of frustrating that it's not more mainstream and that it's not known, but then again, it's encouraging as well that, as you said, you notice that everybody and their mother is doing breadwalk now. So we're a collective species. And as we learn these things, I think we all pick it up really quick. So, but for whatever reason it was lost. It's good that it's back now, and it's good that we're focusing a bit more on our health. And it's 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 kind of a product of our society as well. We're all rushing around. Uh, it's good to be macho and you know get things done and just keep going no matter what. But then you've got the example of, as you said, the the red Indian red Indians and. They had a grand pace of life. They knew all about the bread work. They knew how to keep their babies' mouth closed. And um, yeah, it's. I, th- I think this, this rat race mentality, hopefully this whole pandemic is has given people the time to reflect and realize that family and friends and a good, healthy passion for your work is necessary because if you're if you're devoting sixty hours of your week to something you have no connection to, you're gonna feel empty and depressed and frustrated at the end of the week. So I think I think this this pandemic was a pain in the in the bum, but uh, I think it's it's been a brilliant opportunity for people to reflect of what they actually want to achieve and um, your health is your wealth. So maybe that's the reason why people are focusing a bit more on. Their, mobility and their strength and their their breath work because this is the one vehicle you have and uh, when this goes kaput you're out of here you're out of here so i want to stay around for as long as possible i'm really enjoying this life i'm really enjoying this time here so um i want to do what i need to do but uh, then again i don't want to obsess and i don't want to maximize my performance if I don't need to, I just want to do what's necessary and then enjoy, enjoy the rest of my life. That's...
0: well. I mean, you're the you're the lazy physio, so it makes absolute sense. Uh, and I and I think nobody nobody better to learn from uh, if you're looking for a speedy result with minimum effort. So, I think laziness is one of those things that is in some cases. Underrated because I think it leads to really efficient ways of doing things. And there is this idea, Vincent, that actually sometimes it's better to just sit on the beach and be than go after that thing that you're chasing. And a wise man once told this to me. And uh, I have to say, I like to sit on the beach and be. And then go and chase something, and because uh, I think it takes both to make this world go around. But, but um, you know, it's good to be efficient, especially with our health and well-being. And if we can train in a shorter time possible, and we can do a combination of breath work, which supports us all day, as well as mobility work, that is ultimately an investment. You know, in in this vehicle, as you say, it's the tune-up. And then strength training, which is fundamental to maintaining bone density and ultimately maintaining a body that actually can put on muscle. It's the only thing that, as I understand it, you know, strength training will kick in human growth hormones. So when you're over the age of 40, like I am, the only way to manufacture HGH, human growth hormone, uh, which is really, really important for neurogenesis, for uh, repairing brain cells and the like which is a constant process, it doesn't really stop. But the, the point is we stop training. Strength training in particular is uh, one of these things that activates human growth hormone. Uh, doing sprints, um, you know, these are all things, not going for necessarily for five or 10K runs, but if you did 10, 50 meter sprints, and really got yourself going, HGH is gonna be pumping.
1: Yeah, and uh, Steve Maxwell refers to strength training as the one true exercise. Uh, he he dismissed claims that um, running, swimming, uh, tennis, football, he dismissed all claims that these were exercise, even though we were quite adamant in our persuasion. Because I play hurling myself. It's uh, an Irish sport. Um, the greatest sport in the world. Hurling. Yeah, H-U-R-L-I-N-G. Don't tell me I don't know about it.
0: I'm gonna have to Google it immediately.
1: Oh, you're gonna love this! <laughs> tell all your, tell all your uh, listeners to have a look at After this, <laughs> it's very, it's it's gonna be a shock to the system. Um, but he was telling me that when you do your your strength training, which is your one true exercise, this is maintaining your 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 body, maintaining your muscle tone, maintaining your posture. But what it is doing is you should never be injured doing your strength training, doing your maintenance work. So he was talking about people who go to the gym and they lift weights over their head and swinging this and uh, on the machine here. There's always, what did he call it? He said, there's always the specter of injury looming. So he said, when you want to do your hurling, when you play your hurling, you should, you can get injured in that, he said because that's your choice, that's your hobby, that's your pastime, that's what you enjoy. And there is a chance of getting injured, and that's fine. But when you're doing your maintenance work for that, which is your strength training, there should be zero chance of getting injured. And that strength program that he taught me and I offer to patients, there's zero chance of injury. It's safe, it's very effective, and it keeps you in tip-top condition for whatever you want to do then. If you want to go for your sprints on the beach, or if you want to go for a game of soccer, or if you want to play tennis or golf, you will be in tip-top condition for them. Um, so that's why strength training is so so important. And it is the best cardio you'll ever do. People talk about cardio where they go on the rowing machine, or running, or the stepping machine, or whatever kind of cardio-based approach you're going for, The strength training is actually the best cardio because when you look at a person, like take for example, someone that walks up a set of stairs and they are out of breath at the top of the stairs and they need to pause, is it because their cardio isn't good? Or is it because their muscles were not able to propel them up each step? So every step was a maximal effort. So by the time he got to the end, even though he was only using his quads and his glutes, or she was only using the quads and the glutes, they had to work so hard for every step that their cardio wasn't good. But it's because their muscle tone wasn't able to perform the movement. And that's why strength training is so important. So when we get the, the nice base, when we, when we get the breathing right and we get the, the range of motion and your mobility better, that's when you layer on the the muscle tone to maintain that structure. And you do it twice a week. And when, you've, when you're fed up of moving great, you can stop doing that. And then you can deteriorate <laughs> into old age. So there's no excuse. And um, this, this, this strength program is not for big buff dudes. It's literally within your tolerance every single time you do it. You're only gonna be ever pulling against your own strength. So you'll build up your strength incrementally as you go and you'll never put yourself under too much of a load because you're in control.
0: Yeah, and that's great because it gives you a framework that you can then just continue to extend, right? You basically just continue to use the leverage to create a much greater weight. If you're doing a, a pistol squat, for example, which is one of my favourites. So I have to ask, so how low can you go on a pistol squat? For those that don't know, a pistol squat is one leg. You put one, you're standing on one leg, you put one leg out in front of the other one and then you bend at the knee and you try and go as low as you can. How low can you go?
1: I can get pretty low, Ralph.
0: <laughs> I can get pretty low. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to stay down
1: there for too long, but I can go down and back up. Uh, I've seen people that can just go down and stay down there. But uh, we were getting there. It's 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 a little trick that I've been trying to perform. It's not essential to um uh, maintaining good health, but it's a nice little thing to be able to do.
0: One I've on try- one on push up. Can you do one on Huh? One on push up. One arm push up?
1: Yeah. No. One on pull up no. Oh well one arm hangs. One arm hangs. But we'll get there. i I moved into a new house just before Christmas and two weeks ago I got me me pull up bar in. So maybe I'll come back for another podcast and I'll show you a one arm pull up.
0: Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I've I've been training, but uh it's it's almost impossible. So we're coming to the part of the episode now. just do a couple of quick fire questions. Uh, what I really want to know is, um, you've uh, you, you've been doing a lot of courses. You've been learning from a lot of great people. What's the best course? What's the best learning that you've done so far?
1: Uh, the best learning, the best learning would have been my education for the physical therapy. We were very lucky. I did not have enough points well I didn't know let me let me start again I had there's only three places in Ireland where three colleges in Ireland where you can get a physio physiotherapy degree and I applied for all of these as a mature student and I had to write in interviews and I oh know I had to write in application forms and basically tell them how great I was but uh, as you said at the start of the show, I came from an engineering background, and then I got one interview for the three places. Uh, one place gave me an interview, and I was sitting outside waiting for the interview, and there was three nurses. And they were they were talking amongst themselves, and then they just said, So what do you do? <laughs> I said, I'm a I'm a metal fabricator, I'm a welder. <laughs> so when I went
0: into the interview.
1: All these other girls had like, you know, remedial massage courses. They had worked in different hospitals. So I kind of knew I wasn't going to get that. But I actually went to a private college then and I paid my way into it. But it seemed to be an awful lot better because we had four instructors in every year and they were actual physical therapists themselves. And they just taught us techniques. We used to learn off each other. Uh, we used to practice on each other, it was very hands-on, but we also learned the research-based evidence practice. We got a very comprehensive learning in them four years. Um, the very first day when we arrived at college, the, one, of the, one of the female tutors was saying, now we're all going to be uh, working on each other, we're all going to have to get in dressed in front of each other, and we're all going to have to treat each other. So she goes, girls, I hope you wore some halfway decent underwear today. And next thing, all the girls are like, what? <laughs> she goes, no, no, money mess, and we'll start tomorrow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we had to get pretty comfortable with each other right away. And then the, the, the next day, we had to do some work on the arm. And, like, we're all pretty uncomfortable with touching each other at this stage, you know, because we don't know any, each other. But this guy, we were encouraged to, like, Do the work on the arm, and uh, encourage to keep checking in on your patients. So I was lying down, and I've got this fella massaging me arm that I don't know. (laughs) It's very uncomfortable. Like I've got the towel on and the whole lot. And next thing he starts going, "Yeah, Vinny. So, how's the pressure there? How does that feel? Apart from the obvious awkwardness here, (laughs) the two of us just start busting our ass laughing. But, eh." yeah, that that, that that would be the best um, education I got, because it was four years There's uh, there 30 of us in the class, we all became close, we still are close, uh, We great teachers, uh, really wanted to help, and they were practical as well, they weren't so theory heavy, and uh, we got a lot of practical experience, and some of the physiotherapists now that I talk to, they're quite envious of the techniques that we were taught, um, whereas they would have only spent maybe four weeks out of the year in a clinical setting, whereas we were doing it quite we, – we, we'd student clinic every week for the four years, so we got quite uh, competent and confident with dealing with patients and workloads and caseloads and rehab and stuff like that. So, the, yeah, I would say that's the best education I've got. But, the, but my favourite man of the whole lot is Steve Maxwell, and I was so grateful to get over to him for this last – it was his very last course he'd done with people, um, it was in Greece and just being in Greece, like being on the beach was fantastic, it's uh, the bluest place that I've ever been, it's like the sea is blue, the sky is blue, everybody's relaxed and I met up with 15 like-minded individuals from all around, I actually bumped it, I, I was talking to a fella from Iceland And he was saying that his wife used to be giving out to him for barefoot running up and down the road in Iceland with snow everywhere. And she was like, get in, the neighbours will see you. And he said to me, he goes, so I'm the the weird guy back home. And I says, I'm the weird guy back home. So we were all, it was all the same people and uh, still in great contact with them. Just like-minded individuals. They're all off doing their own thing. And yeah, just. It's great to just meet up with people that are of the same kind and kind of uh, knock heads and brainstorm and get some ideas and get some new concepts. So.
0: Well, it seems like you found your, your tribe. So uh, my quickfire questions haven't really worked out very quickfire at all, but your story was so interesting. <laughs> I think it sounds like you had a fantastic four years and I'm sure you must have socialised quite a lot. So. Um, uh well what about if there was one exercise that that you could do just one if they, if they only had time for one exercise what would it be one well, movement I,
1: well i'll give you two okay the squat and then hanging from a bear so basically you've got your compression which is just squat and then you've got your distraction which is your hanging from the bear and just a couple of tips on this squat if for anyone that's listening just a sip, a simple squat means slowly going down and don't let your knees go inside your big toe don't let your knees buckle in and then just sit down there if you have to hold yourself off a table that's fine but just literally sit down for as you know let's just take a minute or 30 seconds yeah say 30 seconds for beginners and then if you can find a bar anywhere just hang on from the bar, but don't grab with your thumbs. Just hang from the four fingers and let your neck sit down into it. And then literally hang from the bar. So if you can do them, them, them two exercises will keep you in good shape. It will give you, will give you keep your mobility, keep you supple. And uh, right, I'll stop now because it's quick work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i do the bar hanging and i have to say i love it but I'll, I'll have to adjust my 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 thumbs so when you think about this business accelerator that you've just been through now vincent what was the big takeaway because you just did this eight week program on uh, with london real with brian rose you you launched your, uh, your 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 movement 360 on the back of it what
1: what, what was surprising What was surprising was how inefficient my website was and what else was surprising? How little I knew about uh, technology. I don't mean technology, but I mean the integration of websites with different technologies like MailChimp and creating a YouTube channel so you could actually have a link to send out to people instead of actually sending them a whole video. Um, Yeah, just uh, the biggest takeaway. What's the biggest takeaway? Uh, just that I am able to do these things. He, he, he was quite good in making you do the mundane stuff that you might pass off to someone else. But he made you do it and I had a great sense of satisfaction afterwards because if had someone had it shown me my website, my my current website, and said, "No, will you be able to make that?" I'd be like, "Ah, oh, no way!" But uh, in a simple, laid-out formula, I'm quite a practical learner and. I'm just, I'm just, um, I'm quite proud of myself that I'm able to do something like that now. And I'm able to, I have the kind of foundation that if I wanted to make, you know, create a slightly different program, or I have the basis to do that. So that would actually be one of the, the, the better courses that I've done, would be the London Real Accelerator course, because it's uh, given me the opportunity to expand the business and to kind of get it more online, more... And, and uh, reach a bigger audience. So, yeah, that would be one of the better courses I've done. Would have been the London Reel.
0: Yeah, well, I I think you should be proud because you uh, you ran a great webinar series, and uh, you got a lot of people really engaged and interested. And as you say, you just increased your reach. So, it's pretty impressive in such a short period of time. And uh, I think one of my observations was uh, just how incredible this opportunity is for everybody to digitize an aspect of their business. So the diversity of people, whether they were architects, whether they were interior designers, therapists, meditation specialists, healers, uh, or accountants. Accountants were doing great business digitizing their products on how to improve your cash flow and, uh, and, and working capital. And so uh, it's, it's quite fascinating. And as you say, you know, this idea about how to make the website work, really my mind, my idea of a website has moved entirely because I really only see it now as a mechanism to funnel some kind of traffic from a podcast or a webinar to basically sign up for some great offer that adds value to people's lives. And it does that so well. And then email is for everything else. Um, so, uh, so really incredible tools for us to expand our business models and really take that intellectual property that we've all worked so hard. And for some of us, you know, that have kind of built that, uh, with our hands, so to speak. So I think, uh, I think those are great observations, Vincent. So what, um, what should we expect next from you are you um, are you open to collaborations how how should people get in touch with you what are the kind of things that you like to share
1: yeah well i have my instagram and facebook account which is at totalmovement.ie. so you could sign up there i post quite regularly on that try and keep it quite light-hearted but there's also some uh, educational stuff on there i one of the recent vlogs I done was just about resetting your wrists so I, th- I think we're off're we're, especially nowadays we're doing an awful lot more typing or flicking or swiping or writing maybe maybe some people are still writing so um yeah I try I try to keep the videos nice and short nice and punchy and then if you're looking to actually contact me directly, you could reach me on my website, which is www.totalmovement.ie. And um, in the coming weeks, well, maybe maybe shorter than that, I will be releasing my, my future proof, of course, which I will be, I just have to iron out a few different things on that. But that, that will be a six-week course that you won't need me for the rest of your life. So it'll be an investment. Um, it'll be an investment in yourself as well. And it will keep you right. I will never need to see you again. But if you want to have a chat, you can always ring me up. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's the kind of plans I have. I, I I'm looking to get back in with my... GAA Teams, which is the which is the the Gaelic Association. Um it's big in Ireland, they've got football and hurling. and I before all this was happening I was treating a local team and I was treating another team just being pitch side for games. So I'm gonna be getting back into that and then I do some coaching in the schools as well on Fridays. So looking forward to getting back in when the schools get back open. So yeah, we've got some offline stuff, which is like the likes of that. And then focusing a bit more on the online now in the last few weeks and months.
0: So yeah. It's exciting. Like lots of opportunities uh, to, to, to solve a lot of mobility problems and, uh, and get people breathing and onto your strength program. Um, I've had a look at hurling. It looks absolutely beastly. It's a game that you play with sticks and uh, a ball. There's a goalkeeper. And uh, it's basically a wooden stick called a hurl. And uh, you hit the small ball called a sleotar. uh, Don't
1: don't mind them educational um, little clips on YouTube. Just uh, there. You get your ass over to Ireland and we go watch a game. And then you'll appreciate it because there's so many different levels from the level that i play which is kind of you know not that great but then it just increases the county level and then you've got the likes of uh major um ground which is called crow park and that holds the all-ireland final which is like the creme de la creme and them boys don't make mistakes they're just it'd be more brutal At my level, whereas when it gets to that level, it's a lot more skillful. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's great to watch. It's brilliant to watch. You should try and get to watch a game one of the days, Ralph. You should should enjoy it.
0: Well, I'm going to have a look because this ball can be kicked. It can be slapped with an open hand. And uh, it just looks like you can pretty much get away with anything (laughs) you need to uh, to get that ball where you want it to go. It sounds like Quidditch on the ground. Well, uh, it's been an absolute delight talking to you today, Vincent. Thank you very much for sharing your program and your adventures and your experience. And we really look forward to your launch of Future Proofer, if that's the name you go with. And um, we wish you all the best. Uh, Thank you very much.
1: Well, thanks very much for having me, Ralph. I really enjoyed myself. And uh, this podcasting thing is quite good fun, isn't it?
0: We'll, we'll, get you, we'll get you back on, a, on another one and uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hear how your adventure is going but who knows maybe you will even have your own so uh, all of this to come this has been the Bleeding Edge podcast I'm your host Ralph Banker see you on the edge take care bye bye <laughs> perfect good job
1: that edge eh yeah?